Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Amy Swan. Amy is VP of People at Mixpanel. And in this episode, we talk about approaching people operations through a strategy lens, evaluating and optimizing for employee engagement, and how CSR plays a role in defining corporate culture. In a few moments, you'll hear Amy talk about onboarding new employees in a hybrid environment and what some of the best practices and lessons learned have been. In my day job, I talk with businesses about their audio strategies. And a question that I often get is where to start. What's the role or function or initiative that should be the first to adopt company podcasts? And my answer to that is people teams. Wow, that first week at a new job is so intense. New people, new clients, new processes, new culture, new etiquette, new tools. It's so exciting, but also so, so stressful. There's so much to learn and so much to understand. Audio is a few things. For starters, it's really authentic. It's a human's voice. It's an incredible format to tell the founding story, to reinforce a commitment to DEI, to explain the role that CSR plays in defining corporate culture, and to elevate critical voices from across the organization. And because audio production is lightweight, you can seamlessly create a unified brand identity across these various pieces of content. It's also passive learning. Audio reinforces critical information differently than videos or written word content. You can go a little bit deeper. You can explain a little bit more. A new hire can go for a walk and still access all of this critical information. I think about the importance of hiring and how many podcasts about specific roles offer candidates a unique and differentiated perspective into the company. Are you hiring for a customer success manager? What would it look like to interview company leadership, peers, and maybe even a key customer about why this role is so critical? what life at your company is actually like. Fenley is an audio platform for business and we believe that your content should live where you do business. Using Fenley, you can securely and privately share onboarding content to your company Slack, Notion, Asana, and SharePoint, and recruiting content to your careers page, LinkedIn, and job boards, all with enterprise-grade analytics. Are you interested in learning how audio might play a role in how you engage and retain talent? We've created a template to help you get started and included our best practices, recommended episode themes, and potential company stakeholders to elevate through the content. Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the inspiring Amy Swan. Hi, Amy. Hi, Brian. Amy Swan is the Vice President of People and Business Operations at Mixpanel, where she leads the human resources, recruiting, and business operations teams. Prior to this role, Amy spent seven years leading teams focused on innovation strategy at the Boston Consulting Group, helping companies to create and execute growth strategies. Amy holds a bachelor's degree from UCLA and a master's from the Wharton Business School. Amy, thank you again for being with me. Thank you, excited to be here. So for those who aren't familiar, can you share a little bit about what Mixpanel is? What is the product that you have? Mixpanel is a product analytics software solution. So essentially for any company that has a digital presence, whether it be mobile or web, our company basically takes data, creates dashboards that normally would require an analyst to potentially code for multiple hours to get to an analysis. It does that all very seamlessly in a very sort of like, you know, built for purpose of product analytics fashion. 
Um, so we power a lot of kind of the big digital companies that you might have heard of. Uber is a big customer of ours. We have Lemonade, um, even Dunkin' Donuts is a big customer of ours. All of these companies that have any kind of digital presence, we are basically providing the analysis and insights behind those tools. You also power my company, Venly, which is six people. So Uber, <laughs> Dunkin', Venly. So for the next time you answer that question, I would appreciate the shout out. And so, actually, most of our customers are small companies like yours. So it's the bulk of our uh, customer base tends to be in the startup space. Um, so we are a friend of startups for sure. It's a great product. We love using it. You have a dual but highly interconnected role at Mixpanel. When we connected offline before this, you shared that the number one lever in strategy and transformation is people. This sounds obvious, but most companies have people leaders with HR backgrounds and not strategy backgrounds. Are there some practical ways in which a strategy lens has aided your work in running people at Mixpanel? Before I was a people person, I was a strategy person. So in many ways, strategy is just something that is a very sort of inextricable part of the way I operate. And as a strategy person, one of some of the things that you come to understand are that the most powerful and important lever a business or a company has is their people. It's the biggest expense and investment area of, the co of any company. And it's, it's way beyond just payroll, right? Like, you know, if you think about learning and development programs, um, you know, any of your investments on the people team, in addition to, you know, even like a lot of what the managers do on a, in a team, which is to build culture. I mean, all of those things come into the umbrella of you know, the people investment. So one of the things I think that many companies often kind of fail to realize is that one of the most important elements of defining a strategy that is successful, it really comes down to change management. And the reason why that is, is because strategy execution is about changing the way people think about their market, the opportunity that exists in front of them, it usually comes down to changing the way individuals approach their jobs and their roles. So really what, what strategy execution boils down to is really a deep understanding of people and what drives mindset change and behavior change. So that's especially true in this era. Um, as you mentioned, I've done a lot of work in innovation strategy and the pace of innovation is increasing pretty rapidly. And what that means is that people are required to adapt more frequently than before. And it requires companies to constantly revisit their strategy as, you know, disruptors come on the landscape as the pace of innovation increases. So that's just, that's a little bit of how, you know, people aids what I do on the strategy side. From the other angle, under strategy has a very direct line to how I think about the people side. So for example, understanding what are the markets, opportunities, technology investments really enables me to plug in a very long-term view about what are the capabilities that I need to build on the people side? What is the efficient organizational structures that we need to put in place to be able to go after specific markets? Um, it really has a really deep tie to talent, but also culture, because you know one of the key pieces of creating a very consistent experience for employees is you know tying your strategy to what it's like to be an employee on a day-to-day -day basis at Mixpanel. In terms of just thinking about you know specific investments that you know have really we've made at Mixpanel that have really been defined by our strategy. For example, you know, we've gone through lots of different, you know, go to market strategy changes. We've kind of really redeveloped like our 
what segment of the market we're going after, who, which personas we want to target with selling mixed panel. That's resulted in us, you know, rethinking how we deliver learning and development programs to our sales reps, et cetera, that are very focused on like, you know, our strategy as a company and enabling our people to be successful. Applying a customer lens to people teams is a core part of your strategy. You touched on this a little bit just before. So for example, in the way that consumer marketing team might segment their customers and take those segments on a discrete customer journey, you're doing something similar within people teams. Can you explain what this means practically? Are there some best practices that you've developed? That's right. I approach defining priorities on the people side, much like I would if I were developing a customer or consumer focused product. In this case, what we are selling at Mixpanel is an employee experience. And we have competitors, just like, you know, Mixpanel has competitors trying to go after the same segments we have in the market. Mixpanel as an employer is competing with other employers in the market. And so when we think about defining employee programs or employee experience, We usually take a very customer-centric approach in that we define segments of employees based on a couple of dimensions. For example, you know, if you were doing a customer segmentation strategy, you would define a couple of the key dimensions that drive the way customers buy or use your product. And at Mixpanel, when we think about, you know, the people team, what we do is we think about employee segments. And generally define like some of the key dimensions that drive their needs, depending on where they are in in their life phase. So that's one usually very clear definition or driver or dimension that we look at when we think about employee needs um, is life stage. And for example, for some people for whom Mixpanel might be, you know, one of their first jobs, they're really interested in developing friendships and social interactions through the workplace. They're looking for just, you know, to get something different out of Mixpanel than, for example, someone like me who has, you know, two kids and a very established friend network outside of work. I'm more interested in doing rewarding, challenging work, but having a lot of flexibility. Um, And so we really try to think about like, what are the core segments that we have and how, how are their needs different? You know, how does it drive like what they're looking for at Mixpanel? Um, and how does that vary depending on some key dimensions? In terms of best practice, I think it's always good to identify maybe two or three dimensions that are really key drivers of employee needs. For example, when we were designing our return to work strategy, we thought about one really important dimension that's really going to drive like whether or not people want to stay remote or whether or not they want to come into the office is really how do they collaborate with their teams? So some teams like engineering teams might need kind of very um, time-based like, you know, collaboration um, opportunities in front of a whiteboard. And then generally, you know, people do individual work kind of on their own. For other teams, like the people team, our work happens a lot in one-on-one settings or in meetings. And so the way we collaborate is very different from how maybe an uh, engineering team might work with their teams. So in taking that into account, as well as the life phase, when we thought about designing our return to work strategy, what we really wanted to do was prioritize employee choice and give people the opportunity to collaborate in the way that they see most productive for the way they work. That's exactly what I'm talking about when we think about different segments is like really thinking about like, you know, what are some of the key drivers of how these employees will want to um, interact and where the way they want to work. And let's make sure that we develop a program that allows each kind of segment to get what they need out of Mixpanel. Surveys and one-on-ones are a big part of how you collect information from the team, but 
Mixed Panel is a data and analytics company. Is there a true north metric that you might use to evaluate employee experience? And if so, how do you then optimize your practices to improve against that metric? We have a variety of different metrics on the people team that tell us how we're doing. But if there's one that is very much kind of like the North Star metric that we have, it would be our engagement survey score, which is a very much like, you know, an MPS type of score. We run our engagement survey twice a year, and it covers 60 questions across a number of topics from confidence in the company to trust and leadership to satisfaction with learning and development programs to how diverse and inclusive we are. And the one question that I always look at and go deep on is I would recommend mixed panel as a place to work. That sort of encapsulates what I mean by like a net promoter score, which tells me at a high level, are we doing a good job or not at being a rewarding place to work? Through our engagement survey, we usually do a very deep analysis on all of the core drivers that contribute to that sentiment, you know, is Mixpanel a good place to work? We look at total rewards. We look at how people are feeling about our culture, uh, the sense of like security that they have. And we look at how that has changed over time to identify any hot spots that we want to address in our roadmap on a six-month basis. So we typically have about six-month planning cycles at Mixpanel that are really based on the outputs of the employee engagement survey. And we really prioritize, you know, addressing some of those hot spots, you know, when we see them in, in that survey. A lot of organizations work hard to define their culture. But you shared with me offline that culture is defining the things that are shared. For example, onboarding new employees in person is a shared experience, but then an all hands that is virtual is also a shared experience because it's done synchronously. What's the evaluative process look like for you when implementing engagement strategies, messaging, and programming? I'm I'm very big on testing and learning and trying different things um, as sort of a general philosophy on how we roll out engagement strategies. And like I said, I think of ourselves as selling an employee experience um, to a customer, you know, our employees. And so that means that we're constantly evolving and changing what we do based on expectations and needs evolving. I have a background in anthropology, so having studied a lot about what drives culture, typically it comes down to defining a common language and a shared sense of identity, which really comes from defining like what experiences are shared. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have asynchronous shared experiences or synchronous shared experiences and being very cognizant as we're kind of building out this hybrid work environment about defining what's like kind of a common in-person interaction versus virtual interaction is part of defining those shared experiences. And really when, when you talk about shared experiences, what we're trying to do is define common stories about what it's like to be a mixed paneler or, you know, establish memories, you know, that feel very consistent across people that they can define some of their, you know, experiences around as an employee. And so that's part of like developing very clear expectations around, you know, what are the experiences that we want to create that are shared? And in what, what is the best way to deliver those experiences? Is it in-person, in-office? Is it in-person at a team event? Is it virtual? You know, there's so many different options now as we move out to hybrid that being very deliberate and thoughtful about the best way to deliver an experience and also making it 
pretty consistent across the board is part of how we want to define that shared experience. I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Is there an experience that you're eager to test, one that uh, in particular is most exciting to you? I really would love to create an environment where some of the shared experiences I talked about involve giving every team a travel budget and letting them go on like a team offsite slash vacation together a couple times a year. So assuming that we are moving in a world where we really want to think about hybrid, that means that part of my team will not live in San Francisco and finding a way for us to connect and bond together. Ideally for me would mean I have a travel budget that I can go and spend with my team and we can decide where we want to go you know, twice a year and spend a week together. And part of that will be work, but part of it will also just be team building and having fun together. And I want to build this shared experience where one of the value propositions you have about working with at Mixpanel is not just that you get a lot of flexibility and you're empowered to work however you think is going to make you most productive, but you also have a fun slush fund that you get to spend with your team and go somewhere and create a memory together. Similarly to how you would think about the value of a family vacation, right? So those are some of the things I'm like interested in putting into practice and seeing how that drives engagement also drives interactions and drives like the process of creating memories and shared experiences. But there's certainly things that we've tried that also didn't work, right? So one of those examples is, you know, we've spent a lot of time mapping the employee journey as part of our kind of segmentation work and trying to really optimize like different parts of our employee experience. One of them has been onboarding. Remote onboarding is an isolating, painful experience for most people that you talk to, right? You're either asked to be in like four days of Zoom meetings. You still have a really hard time identifying who you need to get to know in an organization. And one of the ideas we had was let's create a company-wide new hire welcome, happy hour, when new hires join, and it's a chance for new hires to get to meet a lot of people they would otherwise not meet. And we were trying to create this virtual kind of interpretation of what we would have done if we were having in-person onboardings, which is let's get everyone together and have a dinner with our new hires or get like a small group together and like have a happy hour with them. And it didn't work because most people are really tired of getting on a Zoom and it's not a happy hour for people, right? Like that's just not the, it's not the same in a virtual setting as it is to kind of get people together and have like a lot of informal chatting. And in Zoom, it's really hard to have that experience where we're all at the same event, but you and I can go and like have a side conversation. You, there's no side conversations in Zoom. It really didn't work for what we wanted to create. So there, it is about being thoughtful. Not everything that you do in person is going to translate directly to a virtual format. In which case, if you really want to be hybrid, you've got to think about like how are different ways you're going to achieve the same thing that's not purely just like going to Zoom, you know, and translating it to Zoom. So yeah, so there's examples also that where like we've tried things and it didn't work and probably, you know, we, what we've did done with a new hire after one or two of them, we were like, hmm, this isn't creating the right environment. So let's, let's try something else. Let's not do it anymore. I'll get you out on this question, but I want to stay on this theme, which is how do asynchronous employee experiences contribute to culture? For example, volunteerism and wellness are big facets of employee life at Mixpanel. How have you seen other examples of these individual experiences contributing to the overall good of the company? I think it's really important when you're defining employee strategies to also to think about both, you know, 
synchronous and asynchronous models. And I think part of it really comes down to recognizing that you have to give employees choice on pursuing their passions, like for example, volunteerism, or doing what they think is like wellness in their definition and allowing people to pursue those individualistic needs. So the, the volunteerism one is a good example. So for example, we have a corporate social responsibility strategy. And there's three pillars to that strategy. One is around obviously doing a lot of um, improvement and reflection on our own internal diversity and inclusion practices. It involves making sure that, you know, the vendors that we are partnering with are of a diverse and inclusive um, group. There's a lot kind of uh, what we're doing on, you know, to work on our creating a more inclusive culture. The second pillar of our corporate social responsibility is being able to leverage our unique expertise as mixed panel and product analytics for good in the world. So that is a like synchronous type of activity where the whole company is involved in partnering with an organization or defining kind of like what is our the way we're going to contribute globally. The third pillar of our corporate social responsibility program is about unleashing employee passions on their own passion projects, their own ways that they want to give back. That's really important because if we really want to drive impact, you know, as a company in social responsibility, it's a combination of tapping into every single individual's energy and drive, as well as coming together and like, you know, facilitating a really coordinated strategy on like how we as a company, you know, deliver good in the world. So I think it's an important facet of culture, right? If you want to create a real sense of culture, you need to also leverage the fact that people have individual desires and passions, and they should be able to direct them in the way that they feel is most well-suited for them. I'm joined today by Amy Swan of Panel. Thank you so much for your time and your amazing wisdom. Thank you. It was great to be here.